0: Missoula Sports Center. First time in five years, the Missoula Big Sky Girls basketball team took down the Wolfpack. Hello, I'm Coulter Nuwanez. The Eagles, under the guidance of first-year head coach Tyler Hobbs, hosted a 53-42 win over Kalispell Glacier on Tuesday. Avery Bat led Big Sky with 18 points as the Eagles beat the Wolfpack for the first time since 2016. Big Sky is now 4-4 four four this season. Over the previous four seasons, the Eagles won a total of five games, including just one last season and none the year before. After losing four of six games to start the season, Missoula Sentinel boys had their second win in three outs. Tuesday, blowing past Helena High 63-43. Caden Sheridan scored 21 points to pace the Spartans. The Sentinel girls didn't fare as well, falling 55-50 to Helena. The Big Sky boys continued proving they are more competitive this season as well. After winning just 12 games over the previous four seasons combined, Tuesday, Caden Bateman, Eamon Higgins, and Shane Shepard each scored 16 points, and the Eagles rallied from a nine-point first-half deficit to topple Glacier 72-56 for their third win of the season. In Class B action, Missoula Loyola posted a 53-29 win over Deer Lodge behind a balanced scoring attack and saw Reynolds-Johnston score 13 points at Ethan Stack and Noah Halfrey, each adding 11. And in the girls' game against Deer Lodge, the breakers got 19 points from Kennedy McCorkle on the way to a 74-28 win. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas, and we are coming to you from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Find amazing winter savings right now at Northwest Motorsport. Visit NWMS Rocks for the largest selection of lifted trucks, diesel trucks, and off road capable SUVs. You can take back control of the road with a new rig for Northwest Motorsport. Visit online, NWMSRocks.com. Miss anything in the first hour of the show? We heard from Voice of the Grizz, Riley Corcoran, as well as Montana State head men's basketball coach, Dave Sprinkle. We also heard from Alex Eschelman, reporter from SWX Montana Television. And we talked some Grizz hockey and gave you some Desperado wings. Plus, we teased you for what's gonna, coming up next month. 10 wings every 10 minutes, every Wednesday show as part of our 10th anniversary celebration here at ESPN Radio. So we're proud and uh, happy to have the Desperado on board for that. You can check everything from today's first hour. Out on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by the Advocates as well as Sports Bet Montana. You want to get a hold of us? You want to be a part of the show? Call us, text us 406 888 1029. That's 888 All guests will join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that, though, and the boys in the back will forward those. Right to my phone, so I can read them for you right on air. Got a funny message from an old friend, old baseball buddy, and uh, just a sports buddy from high school. And he he's, he was listening listening into my Barry Bonds rant, and he says uh, I'm I'm wrong about Bonds. <laughs> I can't really say what he said about Bonds on the air, uh, but that Ken Griffey Jr. is actually the best player uh, of our generation. And uh, you know you have a valid argument there, but both those guys, epic, and I just think it's silly still. To this day, that uh, Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame. It's time now for what we do each Wednesday during the five o'clock hours: the ESPN Roundtable, presented proudly by Paradise Falls of Missoula. And this is very cool. We welcome in a Missoulian, uh, a, a local product, a Missoula Big Sky graduate, and a guy who's been on this show before. But now he is an X Games gold medalist. It's Quinn Wolferman joining us here on Nuana's Now, what's up, Quinn? How you doing, my man?
1: What's up, Coulter? Thanks
0: for having me. Well, first and foremost, I got to say, we're going to get to all the details of how you got there in a little while. But uh, after I was texting you earlier today, I watched the whole thing uh, from the X Games. And and by the way, for those that missed the memo, Quinn Wolfram won a gold medal in the Knuckle Huck down in Aspen, Colorado over the weekend in the X Games. But the coolest part was afterwards, you looking at your gold medal sort of just dumbfounded, looking at it like, man, I got myself a gold medal. You were doing the interview there uh, with the TV reporter, and I I think it was your family that was in the background celebrating. What's going through your mind when you're looking at this gold medal you just won? That must have been a surreal experience for you.
1: Yeah, it, def- it it was surreal, and it didn't really kick in for a moment. Yeah, like you said, I was kind of dumbfounded, and then my brother kind of grabbed me and was screaming in my ear, and I think he was uh, a little more excited than I was. So, uh, yeah, that's when it all kind of started to hit me a little bit.
0: No question that your brother was more stoked than any person on the planet, I think. He was <laughs> he was going crazy. It was so cool. You can find the video on YouTube. Just uh, Google Quinn Wolferman and NX Games, and it's up there. Uh, but, Quinn, I know you've been working yep, it for... it should th- come up. Yeah, it'll definitely come up. I know you've been working towards this for, uh, for quite some time now. So, what all goes into it? Because, first of all, explain to people what the knucklehuck is. I mean, I can sort of explain it, but th- there's a lot of nuance to it. There's also a lot of artistry to it, a lot of creativity to it. It's sort of this free-flowing event that goes for 20 minutes on, on time, and you get four, five, six runs sometimes, and you're always just trying to do a different, new, innovative trick. So... First of all, just explain to people kind of what the event is and and also just how you become a master of such an event.
1: Yeah, I mean, I won't get into it too, too much or and uh, bore these sports fans, but um, <laughs> it's definitely kind of a novelty event um, and it kind of just stemmed from, yeah, like you said, uh, a lot more just like creativity because you'll see somebody do, like me, I, I ended up doing like a double cork variation, like spun three times. And, uh, and then you'll see someone else do like literally a nothing. Like they'll spin, like not even spin and they'll like drag their body across the, across the knuckle and then just do a super simple trick, but it looks amazing. So it's kind of all about like style and it's a super subjective sport. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy that they, uh, kind of gave me that overall nod and, and, you know, put me in the top spot. But essentially, there's a jump, and then there's a landing, and then there's kind of a knoll on the landing. Um, And you just kind of, you can float right over it. Um, I would just encourage everybody to kind of go and watch it, search my name, X Games, and um, it's almost easier to watch than it is to explain. So, and a lot more fun.
0: It is. It's a lot more fun, and uh, you'll definitely get the gist right away when you're watching it. I'm so interested in the physics of it, because when you're hitting a big aerial jump or, or you know, a freestyle moguls jump, that's laughing you in the air. So it seems more uh, plausible to be able to do all sorts of twists and backflips and all that. The the three sixties and stuff like that makes sense to me off the knuckle. How do you do it when you're going backwards? I mean, you had a couple tricks where you hit the thing backward and then went backward again and landed backward. It seems like it takes so <coughs> much leg strength to be able to vault yourself like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, it, it is, it's a, it's a weird thing. And, and like you said, it's, yeah, it's, just such an interesting um, thing and very artistic. But, yeah, the leg strength for me that night was definitely there, and I think that was, like, the most nervous I have been for a contest. It was my first contest of the year. Um, I've pretty much been stepping away from contests more and more and working on the filming side of things, so it was definitely pretty validating for me to be able to take home the win. But, yeah, the leg strength, I was uh, feeling pretty woozy all day, so I was glad that kicked in. (laughs)
0: So awesome. Quinn Wolferman, a Missoula native Missoula Big Sky grad and uh, a now recently anointed gold medalist from the X Games You won it over the weekend down in Aspen, Colorado. And Quinn, just take people through sort of your skiing journey. I mean, when did you first get into skiing and when did you know this was something you really wanted to pursue at such a high level?
1: Um, yeah, I feel like skiing almost picked me. I, I was uh pretty obsessed from a young age. I just started skiing at the local hill at Snowball and um yeah, it kinda just progressed from there. But I just gotta give a shout out to my family, you know, they They got me into it. There was four kids. All our stuff was hand-me-downs, and, you know, it wasn't a a luxurious ski scene like it is in Aspen. Um, So to be able to kind of work my way up there and get to hang with all those folks was pretty fun. But, um, yeah, uh, the journey has been really, really pretty long, and uh, to be short-winded, it's it's been, yeah, a hell of a ride. And um, I'm just lucky to have ended up at x games it was my third x games um and i'd never walked away with a medal and this event used to be winner take all right um so you won you won if you if you win you get a medal if you don't uh nothing and i had gotten third um twice in a row and then they did a full podium this year and so there was no way i was getting third i was like no way man i walked away with nothing twice so um to have it uh, be like a full podium, I, w- I definitely needed to be standing on the top of it to validate myself and kind of just you know let it be known that I was there to I was there to take the win for sure. It was the most motivated I had been at X Games, so it was just an exciting time.
0: When you're not competing at the X Games, like but you're at the X Games, what's it like? I mean, what's the what's the scene like? It must be fun hanging out with other you know ski guys that are just uh, dedicated to it like you have been for so long.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first year there was fans, but I pretty much blacked out because it was my first ex-game. <laughs> right. I don't remember anything, really. Uh, I was just so nervous, and, uh, you know, I, I we got it done, um, and then the second year, I went back last year and competed in three events, and there was no fans and no spectators and nothing. Like, it was dead quiet, and so it was just such a different experience. So, I mean, I I felt like I was kind of holding the energy with the crowd this year, um, you know, I, I just kind of had the feeling that everybody was kind of rooting for me. Um, and so just having the crowd there and having my family there again was just, it was such an awesome experience. And, yeah, like you said, being able to kind of, skiing is such like a tight-knit sport and everybody's definitely rooting for um uh, everyone else which is pretty fun but at the end of the day you know you're skiing for yourself so to have everybody there and being able to like bounce things off of a bunch of different skiers and I, I was able to get a couple of my buddies some credentials and they were up there with me and filming and just keeping everything pretty lighthearted, but also you know um kind of letting me know like what was going on at the contest because you don't get to see that much, you know, you're pretty focused and, uh, you know, it, you, you drop in, you do your run and then you hop on a snowmobile and there's thousands of people down there cheering, yelling at you. You're high-fiving people while you're on a snowmobile. And then you just get to boost up this hill at like 35 miles an hour. You're like about to fly off the sled. They, 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 there's no regard for safety. It feels like it's, it's amazing. It's such an experience. So, um, yeah, it's it's just awesome. It was so fun to have the fans back this year. I, I think that really honestly meant the most to me to have my family and, and the fans back. I could feel the love, so that was fun.
0: Quinn Wolferman joining us. He's a Missoula native and uh, recently won a gold medal in the Knucklehawk at the Winter X Games in Aspen, Colorado. It's our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. And, Quid, we've seen X Games sports over the years then transform into Olympic sports. I mean, snowboarding wasn't in the Olympics. Now it is. We've seen some slope style and things like that get in the Olympics. Do you think knucklehock has a future as maybe an Olympic sport?
1: You know, my agent was actually uh, talking about that. He's like, dude, I mean, if you keep working on this and, and, and kind of focus on it and make it a part of your craft then like you never know where this thing could go um although although it's such like a creative and and loose thing and the judging is so subjective like i'm even surprised that it's kind of an x-games thing and, and like that it's so validating that i can win a gold medal for an event like that um but you know crazier things have happened so if uh if maybe I'll start pushing for it, you know? Maybe I, I can be the, the guy leading the charge because I think that would also help a lot of Olympic athletes because a lot of those guys out there were competing in multiple multiple events and then they could kind of come to Knucklehawk and it's just like a great place to kind of blow off some steam and actually just kind of have some fun because you're so focused, hyper-focused when you're hitting those jumps and, like, you know, it's kind of a life-or-death thing. Like, if you don't land totally. the jumps those guys are doing, you're going to completely explode. So for having, you know, it's nice to be able to kind of just, yeah, go do exactly whatever you want to do. And if it gets rewarded, it does. And if not, you know, maybe next year. So it's kind of just, it's kind of luck of the draw. And I I, I think, yeah, just not that I got lucky this year. I think I was just prepared, really.
0: You mentioned that part, the mental part of it, the risk that's involved. I mean, this is among the most risky sports in the world. Extreme skiing is. How do you get yourself up for that? I mean, how do you get yourself mentally ready? Because like you say, I mean, if you screw up this is this is bad. This this is not going to be good for you if if you don't hit it right. So I mean how do you get yourself ready for it?
1: I mean it, it's also second nature for us. So right. it's kind of like just, you know, almost more comfortable on my skis than I am my own two feet on the ground. So um it's kind of just one of those things, but I mean it takes a lot of just mental preparation. You know, you're sitting in your room uh, before the contest, you know, visualizing, you're just running through everything. Um so, yeah, I honestly just think it comes down to the amount of time you're actually thinking about skiing and uh, however much work and kind of passion you're willing to put into it just because, you know, it's just like anything. You know, if you're willing to work hard for it, then you'll see the results. And this year it finally paid off, so pretty pretty hyped.
0: Quinn Wolfman well, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. And uh, it's so funny because I think that your best – one of your biggest fans and definitely one of your best PR agents is certainly your, your dad and, uh, your pops called me and told me, you know, Quinn won the gold medal. I was like, I know I, we said something on the show yesterday, but I'm definitely going to call him, get him on. And, uh, so Keith's always been rooting you on, but I know that for sports like this too, it does take a, a lot of sacrifice for both the individual and their family too. So, um, I'm sure your dad was very proud of you for doing this, but I mean that's probably played a huge role in all this as well, in terms of motivating you and, and keeping you going. Just the fact that your family has always been so involved in, and uh, so proud of you for all you've accomplished.
1: Yeah, shout out to my dad Skid. I mean, I'm I'm a horrible texter as is, and you uh, you had to reach out to me twice to get a hold of me. The phone was kind of going crazy the last couple of days, and shout out to Missoula, like all the folks back home are just. I mean, I am feeling the love. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, shout out to my dad. Shout out to my brother and my mom for making the trip. Uh, you know, like my life is definitely uh, pretty relaxing at times and I don't necessarily have a set schedule, but those guys and, you know, my my brother had to take time off work and, you know, it's not easy to get out to Colorado. It's, it, it racks up pretty quick. So, you know, I might have to take them out to dinner when I get back to Missoula and have a have a nice big celebration and just, you know, thank them again. They, they've been such an awesome support system. And, yeah, it wasn't wasn't easy leaving Missoula at a fairly young age, you know, kind of a teenager, like 14, 15 years old, started leaving home to kind of pursue the dream. So, um, you know, just that was probably the biggest thing for me, like the biggest takeaway is like just knowing that they're proud and I actually finally have something to kind of like – you know, legitimize exactly what I've been doing for so long. And I think it's just kind of a world renowned thing, like to win an next game's gold. So, um, I, yeah, it's just, it was such a relief to be able to have that now. And, and I think I'm going to find a lot more support from companies and other people just now that I have something like that under my belt. So that's definitely going to help, help the ski career a lot. And yeah,
0: it's awesome. Well, I'm a big skier myself. We grew up right below uh, Snowball there up Grant Creek. And uh, the older I've gotten, the more I appreciate so much that I learned how to ski at Snowball. Because for those that don't know, Missoula Snowball is one of the toughest places you're going to ever ski. I mean, it has unbelievable vertical feet. You can find yourself in some pretty hairy situations. But the fact that you kind of cut your teeth up there when you are a kid too, I mean, you think you think that's influenced you just in terms of, of learning how to ski at a difficult place and sort of accelerating your career at a young age?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, learning how to ski a snowball, you're, like, like you said, you're just cutting your teeth on some pretty interesting uh, terrain. And I think, yeah, that's transferred into my skiing so much, being able to utilize, like, my whole ski and just, like, knowing how to ski. Like, uh, a lot of these kids that are, like, growing up and doing slope-style contests and big-air contests, they, they know how to jump really well. But as far as, like, using their skis and actually skiing around the mountain, um they're not as talented in that aspect. So for me to kind of do like the opposite of a ski career is how most kids do it. You know, they grow up, they go to the park, and they kind of figure it out there. But for me, it was almost the opposite. I, you know, just grew up skiing around, and I would look for exactly things like the knuckle hook, You know, I would look for a little roller. I would look for a little bump in the road. You know, anything that I could find at Snowball that would put me in the air. So I was actually kind of like bread for the for that event um honestly which is perfect
0: it's right there's so many road cuts up at snowball right that's kind of like the knuckle it's almost <laughs> it's perfectly applicable that's awesome
1: yeah exactly the same you know just you'll find that little flat piece to a little downhill and you're you know automatically your brain clicks into go mode of how can i catch some air how can i make this fun and i i honestly you know, I didn't know if Snowball would uh, pay off as far as, like, the long-term ski career, but as far as I'm concerned, it has. So, I'm, I'm very lucky to be from Montana and, it, you know, cut my teeth at a pretty challenging place to go ski. So, yeah, blessed for sure.
0: Quinn Wilferman joining us, a Missoula native, and recently won a gold medal at the X Games in Aspen, Colorado in the knuckle huck. And, Quinn, last thing for you then, you mentioned your ski career. And uh, you were mentioning that maybe you were transitioning into doing a little bit more video stuff and production and stuff like that. But what's next for you? I mean, are you going to continue to chase these ski dreams, or what's what's in your future uh, upcoming for you?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've been skiing on a kind of a blown-out ankle. I'm going to have ankle surgery this summer, so I think that will allow some time for me to kind of figure out – a couple other avenues and you know just ways to kind of put that energy that I take into skiing into something else but as far as I'm concerned I'm, I'm very well supported and taken care of by a couple of companies so um, as far as I'm concerned I'm skiing. I'm skiing for a while but um, I'm looking forward to the, the future and whatever that may be just try to do it bigger and better than skiing but the whole career has been fairly unorthodox and um, I've kind of paved my own path um, not a lot of people have a I have a similar story as mine um, so I'm just kind of looking forward to I mean I have so much momentum right now I think I'm just gonna go keep skiing and kind of put out the best the best stuff I've ever put out this year. I'm just feeling so motivated and um, I was talking to one of my buddies today you don't really get anything without passion and, and that drive for skiing, so um, I'm just looking forward to kind of taking that energy straight into filming and whatever i do next but definitely trying to come back up to montana get on a snowmobile and head out into the backcountry and link up with another montana legend tanner hall and and uh yeah go from there but just going to be working really hard on a couple different aspects of the sport but i I can't wait to get out into the backcountry and ski some powder
0: well once upon a time when i was uh Probably 12 years old up at uh, Snowball. I remember me and a couple of buddies ended up falling in with one of our old ski teachers, and we skied a couple runs with Tanner Hall. And when we were 12 years old, we thought that was the coolest thing ever because he had just been in the Olympics or the U.S. Trials at least. And, and uh, pretty cool that, that that thing's come full circle and that you guys are connected as well because he's definitely a Montana ski legend as well. Quinn Wolferman, you're going to be remembered for a while, my man, after winning that gold medal. Pretty darn cool for you. Thanks so much for joining us here on Nuana's Now, and congratulations again.
1: Coulter, you're the man. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to coming back home and celebrating at
0: some point. There you go. Quinn from ESPN Roundtable. It's pretty sweet, man. Gold medal, man. And I know he's been grinding it out, too, because, like you say, I mean he's been hurt a couple times, and uh, for him to come back around and, and do that, go watch that video on YouTube. You, you can even just go to the parts that Quinn is, is doing his jump set, but the whole thing's only about 35 minutes long. But uh, he's got jumps at least at the five-minute mark and I believe at the 12-minute mark, but you can kind of see it on there as well. Uh, but it's very cool, and the coolest part, though, is the celebration with his family. Like, his brother was just over the moon, just loving that he won that gold medal. So that's what makes sports great, man, the the emotion and the love that we, that we feel cumulatively when uh, one of our own accomplishes things. And uh, a lot of pride for the city of Missoula for that young man, gold medalist in the X Games from Missoula, Montana. How cool is that? Gotta love it. It's so our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls, one of the only spots in town that you're going to find breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I actually had breakfast there this morning. It was great. You also have 30 big-screen TVs to watch all the sports you ever wanted, and they have early and late happy hours late into the evening as well, so you can get cheap beer, half price cocktails, half price appetizers uh, into the evenings, and it's also a great place to watch sports. Paradise Falls, located at 3621 Brook Street in Missoula, Missoula's coolest hot spot. From a guy from Missoula to a guy from Australia, Josh Bannon joins us next. It's our Grizz star of the week, Eric Montana, sophomore power forward. Up next on Nuwana's Now, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. First time in five years, the Missoula Big Sky Girls basketball team took down the Wolfpack. Hello, I'm Coulter Nuanez. The Eagles, under the guidance of first-year head coach Tyler Hobbs, also a 53-42 win over Kalispell Glacier on Tuesday. Avery Bat led Big Sky with 18 points as the Eagles beat the Wolfpack for the first time since 2016. Big Sky is now 4-4 four four this season. Over the previous four seasons, the Eagles won a total of five games, including just one last season and none the year before. After losing four of six games to start the season, Missoula Sentinel boys had their second win in three out. Tuesday, blowing past Helena High, 63-43. Caden Sheridan scored 21 points to pace the Spartans. The Sentinel girls didn't fare as well, falling 55-50 to Helena. The Big Sky boys continued proving they are more competitive this season as well. After winning just 12 games over the previous four seasons combined, Tuesday, Caden Bateman, Eamon Higgins, and Shane Shepard each scored 16 points, and the Eagles rallied from a 9-point first-half deficit to topple Glacier 72-56 for their third win of the season. In Class B action, Missoula Loyola posted a 53-29 win win over Deer Lodge behind a balanced scoring attack and saw Reynolds-Johnston score 13 points with Ethan Stack and Noah Hafrey each adding 11. And in the girls' game against Deer Lodge, the breakers got 19 points from Kennedy McCorkle on the way to a 74-28 win. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. that I just love and always talk about on this show. If I was to make my list of bands that that, uh, I got to see before I die, Fleetwood Mac has got to be towards the top. It would just be so sweet. What a record, what a band, what a song. Welcome back. is Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. If you haven't noticed, pretty cold outside. But, as Quinn Wilferman just told us, one of the great things you can do in Missoula is ski. Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors, they have all sorts of ski gear for you. Whether you need some new sticks or you need some poles, some gloves, hat, whatever. Bob Ward's has got it all. they got one of the best inventories you're going to find anywhere in the state of Montana. So go check out Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors for all of your skiing needs. Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors also proudly presents the Grizz Star of the Week where we share interviews with men's and women's basketball players from the University of Montana. Well, down here at Dollarberg Arena for the second time on a Tuesday. You're listening to this on a Wednesday here on Nuanas now, but we got to tell you now, FCC regulations. we got to tell you when we're pre-recording. I was down here earlier with Bradley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, and now I'm here with University of Montana sophomore men's basketball player Josh Bannon. The Aussies joined us before. But this is our first appearance on our Grizz Star of the Week. Josh, what's up, man? How you doing?
2: Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, man. First of all, very excited to watch you guys at home later this week because it's been a while. I mean, it's been almost four weeks total since uh, you guys were last on the court against Weber State. So you guys have played games in between there but haven't been in front of the home crowd in quite some time. So what are you guys' thoughts on this uh, home weekend with Idaho and Eastern Washington coming to town?
2: Definitely very excited. It's always always fun playing here in Dahlberg. Um, last time we were here, Weber State, awesome game, probably the best game we've played so far this year. So getting another chance to play on the home floor is super exciting. I think everyone's really looking forward to it.
0: In this year, your second year, it's always interesting because you guys were such a young team last year, still kind of a young team this year, but so many guys. It was your first time navigating the big sky, but you're doing it in a completely atypical fashion. You're doing it playing the same team twice in the same weekend. The only people in the stands are me, Sean Rainey, and that's it. You know, there's like seven people here. Totally weird. Um, so now that you're in your second go-round here in the league, how much more familiar are are you with the Big Sky, and what do you think of just the league overall?
2: It's definitely been a lot more fun this year, I gotta say. Uh, <laughs> definitely helps playing a bit better, team winning a lot more games. Um, but, yeah, last year was definitely difficult playing in front of no one. Um, but this year, you know, the environment in here at Dahlberg Arena is awesome. Having people cheering you on, that's definitely been super fun, and I've loved that. Um And the conference is just, it's been, it's a good great conference to play in. The competition's good, and we're just feeling really good about where we're sitting.
0: Good start of the week, presented by Bob Ward, Sports and Outdoors. Josh Bannon, University of Montana sophomore, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Let's talk about this last weekend. You guys go on the road and get a couple good wins over Portland State and Northern Arizona. Defense, the story for Montana. Uh, you guys only gave up 64 against NAU and then did yourselves even better. Uh, excuse me, 64 against Portland State, did yourselves even better by giving up 48 to Northern Arizona. So pretty impressive defensive effort. What helped you guys uh, take it to that level? Because you guys always hang your hats on defense. But, uh, I mean, holding a Division one team to 48 points, that's a pretty good effort.
2: Yeah, I think we, we hang our hats on defense, like coach always harps on it. And I think it was just a really like big team effort focusing on that end of the floor. And then obviously there was some individual efforts like by some of the guys, like Brandon Whitney did an excellent job in the NAU game, holding guy averages 20 points a game to 3 or 12 from the floor. And stuff like that puts us in a great position to keep teams well below their average.
0: Everybody talks about how they want to be all about defense, but it's a lot easier to say it than it is to actually do it. What's it take? I mean, mentally, uh, what does it take to, to grind like that? Because it's not just one stop. you got to play like that for 40 minutes.
2: Yeah, it can be definitely exhausting at times. Um, but I think definitely before I came here, I always hated defense. I didn't play a lot of defense <laughs> back home in Australia. But then... As I've kind of, the last couple of years, defense has become a lot more fun to me. I think the idea of five guys just being able, you're just sort of imposing your will on the other team if you don't let them score, and you can just dominate a game that way. And I think it's just so frustrating for them, and seeing that frustration and being able to come together, a group of guys, and just doing that is super exciting, and it's fun.
0: Look at the front court players that in this Montana defensive scheme. So often you are kind of the linchpin, right? The guys that are playing the front court, you are kind of directing traffic, telling the guys where the screens are coming from, the ball screens, all that sort of stuff. It's very intricate, though. So, I mean, just compared to where you came from, how much more complicated is it? And it seems like you really like that part of it, though. Kind of communicating and letting your teammates know what's going on if they have their backs to the hoop or whatever it might be.
2: I try my best to sort of help communicate and anchor, anchor the defense a little bit, talking to guys. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just like five guys and we all have to communicate with each other, and that, that's what allows us to be successful on that end of the floor. Um, so, yeah, communication is super important, but the effort all the guys put in is incredible.
0: Grizz star of the week, Josh Bannon, joining us, University of Montana sophomore forward. The Grizz host Idaho Thursday night in Missoula, and then Eastern Washington coming to town on Saturday. Grizz coming off of a pair of road wins over Portland State and Northern Arizona, respectively. Uh, last question about the defensive side of things. I think it's such a uh, fascinating transition to watch, just in Division One basketball in general, because chances are if you're a D1 guy, what you were doing the last couple of years before you get to college, trying to put the ball in the bucket, trying to get as many you know opportunities as you can by stacking the stat sheet, which is most easily done by scoring at the rim, getting to the hoop, all that sort of stuff. And a lot of times it takes guys a long time to buy into it. So how have you guys collectively done it, though? Because it seems like this group... You have a lot of guys that are your class or the class below you that have been able to score the ball but being asked to do uh, different roles now here at Montana. So what's that transition like? What's the most challenging part about buying into that element of basketball?
2: Um, I think, like, I don't find it particularly difficult. Um, I think we have a great group of people. I think that's the part which makes it easy is the high-character guys and coach has a great system and the program has an awesome tradition. So people buy into that, and at the end of the day, individual achievements don't matter at all. We're just trying to win basketball games, and that's the defensive end is the easiest way to control that.
0: Josh Banner joining us. He's a native of Melbourne, Australia. You've been in Missoula now for a couple of years, but uh, this second year around, probably a little better than the first one. You guys actually can go out to eat and go hang out with each other and things like that. What do you think of Missoula? What, what's your experience been like here in the Garden City? What do you like about the town?
2: I love it. Um, I think it's. I like how it's pretty pretty low-key, kind of the vibe. Um people are super friendly, easy to get along with. I think that can be lost in a big city sometimes and that we don't that, that problem doesn't happen here, I think. Just going around, just see people and it's everyone's super friendly and that's that's my favorite part of being out here.
0: Being a Grizz athlete it comes with a certain element of uh, of fame, I guess you could say. I mean people know who you are. I mean, you're 6'9, so you're going to be noticeable anyways. But what do you think of that element cuz you probably do have people coming up to, you, "Hey, watched you last night, good game." It's such a huge part of the community. People really embrace Grizz athletes. So, what do you think of that element?
2: It's definitely awesome. I always welcome it. Um, it's it's great. You know, you would be in the shopping centre wherever you are and a little kid will come up and it's good to sort of have an opportunity to put a smile on that kid's face and just sort of make them happy, have an interaction with them and it's always positive
0: well we talked a lot about defense but you've taken a huge step offensively and you've been really scoring the ball well particularly uh, since the new year uh, since it became 2022 i know we talked during media day about some of the stuff you worked on but remind the people i mean what sort of things did you work on individually that sort of helped you uh, take your your game particularly score the basketball to the next level
2: um i definitely put in a huge emphasis sort of on my three-point shooting this offseason um coach anderson clark and i put in hours and hours thousands of makes it's it's great the coaches always have they support me in that and like in my skill development which has sort of enabled me to take big steps this year but definitely that and then coach trav and the other coaches and i all put in a lot of work on my inside game as well finishing around the rim so i think the combination of those things has allowed me to take a pretty big step this year
0: were you comparing and contrasting just the, the stylistic differences between the basketball you played growing up in Australia and, and now what you're playing here uh, in America, in Montana, what are some of the similarities? What are some of the biggest differences? A big difference
2: for me probably is I've had to I've had to change my game a little bit. I had I had sort of the benefit growing up of always being bigger than everyone else as I, as I got older and the guys I was playing against I could sort of just do what I wanted to a little bit like get to the basket pretty easily and just score over the top of people. It's not that easy out here obviously There's defensive schemes it's a lot more difficult. So I've had to work on my game a lot of, a lot and develop some new skills which is honestly really exciting.
0: Josh Bannon, our grid Star of the Week, presented by Bob Ward, Sports and Outdoors. We do this each Wednesday here on Duana's now ESPN Radio, recording this from Dahlberg Arena here on Tuesday. And last couple of things for you, Josh. What's the scout Thursday? Because Idaho, uh, a disciplined team that runs a ton of sets and sort of looks like Montana broadly in schematics. What do you think of the matchup with the Vandals here Thursday night in Missoula?
2: I haven't got a lot of... A lot of chance to watch them so far this year. I haven't watched many games, but I know they're better than last year. Um, they've been very competitive in the games they've played. They've got some guys putting up pretty good numbers. So we'll just lock in on our scout as we always do. Um, the coaches put together thorough scout and know know the personnel and yeah, lock in on that.
0: Well, have full coverage for you, both ESPN Radio as well as SkylineSportsMT.com. From Thursday and Saturday's game, Josh Bannon, our great star of the week. Thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Smart guy, I like that guy. He's uh, he's very tempered, and uh, don't let the don't let the smartness though get in the way. I mean, he's one tough son of a gun too. I mean, he, he, Josh Bannon, when he realizes that he is one of the toughest players in the league, is gonna just dominate this Big Sky Conference. He's already having a good year. He's having a, an all conference year, honestly. I mean, he's averaging close to thirteen points per game, about nine rebounds per game. He's been the go-to guy for Montana. He's led him in scoring the last couple wins for the Grizzlies. But uh, as he continues to evolve, uh, he has a chance to be a really good player. Uh, He's already solid. He's already very good. But he has a chance to be really good. And uh, so much of it is just that, that, uh, that Aussie toughness that he brings. Newat is Now, ESPN Radio, Star of the Week, presented by Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors. Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors has been locally owned and operated for decades here in Missoula. They are your go-to, whether you're here in the Garden City or down the Bitterroot Valley. Go visit Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors for any and all of your sporting goods needs today. I still have some stuff to say about what it should take to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just salty about this. I think it's ridiculous that players being nice or not to the voters has an influence on it. Stupidest thing in the world. That plus the difference between transcendence and longevity. How much should that play into Hall of Fame voting? Keep it right here. It's ESPN Radio. Nuance Now. Missoula
1: has always held a wonderful reputation as a runner's haven. A place where those who like to jog along the river and those that like to bound around the trails thrive. From the dedicated weekend warriors of our Montana communities to the exceptional college and high school running talents from across the Treasure State, many of the best athletes are the runners in and around western Montana. Tune in to Noana's Now twice a month for River City Runners, a local segment about the Montana running community. River City Runners is proudly presented by Zootown Sports Cards.
0: One, two, three! That is now on ESPN Radio. What's up, Montana? Santa, welcome back. ESPN Radio it's new on us now coming to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio appreciate all the great guests we've had on the show today from Voice of the Grizz Riley Corcoran to Montana State men's basketball coach Danny Sprinkle to SWX reporter Alex Eshelman to Quinn Wilferman recently anointed X Games gold medalist from right here in the city of Missoula to Josh Bannon University of Montana sophomore forward and our Grizz Star of the Week appreciate all those guests for joining us Stars to the lineup, man. Going all the way around the world of sports there. Pretty fun. Appreciate everybody for being here. You find everything from today's show on the Nuanas Now podcast. Probably presented by Sportsbet Montana as well as the Advocates. Right now, Eagle Satellite's got a hell of a deal for you. They have one of the most affordable and simple TV packages you're going to ever find. Free installation. And it's $57.99 a month for TV and just 50 bucks a month for internet. Call 728-9999. That's 406-728-9999. Eagle Satellite probably presents the final word here on Nuana's Now, our last segment of each show throughout the week. I'm just completely hot and bothered about this Barry Bonds thing. And as I said at the beginning of the show, Barry Bonds broke my heart as much as any athlete I've ever seen. My mother mother would attest to this. My, My brother would attest to this. I was a baseball fanatic when I was a kid, obsessed with baseball. I watched baseball almost every single day, played baseball almost every single day, organized my baseball cards. I mean, that was one of my favorite things to do. I seriously think that my mind for statistics and my memory comes from, at a very young age just pouring through baseball and football and basketball cards. But I loved baseball, and I loved Barry Bonds as much as any baseball player. And watching him, I mean, I'll never forget it. I remember being 14 years old, and I was in a a hotel room up on the Montana high line in Conrad, Montana with my late father, and we were hunting up there. We were pheasant hunting. And I remember watching Barry Bonds hit his 70th home run and his 71st home run to set the all-time record. While I was sitting up on the Montana High Line watching it with my pops. It's one of my favorite memories of my childhood. And so I just loved all of those experiences. I mean, Bonds was just such a ferocious athlete, such an unbelievable visual spectacle. And he was that, excuse me, before he ever took a steroid. But more importantly, the voting process and the way that we're determining how guys get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, the fact that you have, uh, the voters are from the Baseball Writers Association of America, it seems very, very tenuous at best and dangerous at worst to be messing with the history of the game. I mean, the Hall of Fame is a museum. It's a chronicling of history. You can hate Barry Bonds all you want. You can think he was the worst villain, the worst cheater, a stain on the game. It still happened. And I know I'm a cynical guy, but with the with the exception of a couple guys, a couple pretty sterling and uh, non-controversial baseball figures of that same era, like Derek Jeter, Ken Griffey Jr., probably Chipper Jones is in that mix. But the exception of those guys, most of the best players were likely juicing. And if you're comparing and contrasting just the... the the enhancements that are at the disposal of modern athletes. I mean, you're completely clowning yourself if you, if you don't think that every professional athlete is on a strict and specific performance enhancement regimen, even if they're not illegal performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, the stuff that you can buy down at the local supplement store anywhere in the country... And the workout regimens and all the knowledge we have as far as physiology and and strength training and all of it. Athletes are totally different than they were back in the day. So if you're sitting here and saying, well, it defames the game because, you know, Babe Ruth was this and Ty Cobb was that. Even the most basic minor league guy has such a different and better athletic regimen than any of those guys ever had. That's part of the romanticism of baseball, comparing and, and contrasting eras. But... It just seems so silly and almost hypocritical to me that the guys who are writing the history of the game, the Baseball Writers Association of America, who get the Hall of Fame votes, are choosing to leave out a portion of history. And again, the hypocrisy comes not from leaving Barry Bonds out as much as it comes from putting guys like David Ortiz in. David Ortiz also did steroids. But because he's Big poppy and he's beloved and he helped the Red Sox break the streak and he's a good interview and he's nice to reporters and all this stuff, he gets in. But the dude, I mean, Barry Bonds, (laughs) I read this stat earlier today. Barry Bonds, if you took away every single home run he ever hit, and he hit more home runs than anybody in the history of baseball, 762 of them to be exact, you take away all 762 of those home runs. Barry Bonds still has a higher on-base percentage than David Ortiz did. Think about that. David Ortiz had a 380 on-base percentage. That's fine. It's a, it's a, pr- a pretty okay on-base percentage. Barry Bonds had a 447 on-base percentage for his career. And you take away all the home runs, he still had a higher on-base percentage than David Ortiz. You can say that the steroids helped him hit the ball into McCovey Cove more often. Well, I would argue that. It didn't help him go 40-40 back in 1996 when he won the MVP when he hit 42 home runs and stole 40 bases. It didn't help him walk 150-plus times four different times in his career before he ever took a steroid. It didn't help him have multiple 450-plus on-base percentages. It didn't help him rack up more than 2,000 hits. It's not just Bonds, man. It's Clemens and some of these other guys. Well, here's my whole thing when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Because so, first of all, as, it's being, as I'm trying to make very clear, the process of voting is incredibly antiquated. And uh, the fact that it, the personalities of the players go into if these guys get voted on, that's just stupid. But more than any of that, I also think that sometimes it gets muddled how we evaluate greatness. Longevity is certainly a a strong mark of greatness. And the more longevity you have within your professional sports career, the more numbers you're going to put up. Tom Brady is going to have untouchable numbers unless someone else can replicate a 20-plus year career because that's just the way that it's going to play out. But Brady is a bad example of what I'm arguing because my argument has always been between longevity and transcendence. Here's a great example of that. Basketball players from the late 70s, early 1980s. You have Bill Walton and you have Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish was one of the original Ironmen of the NBA. He played 20 seasons. That was unprecedented at the time, and he had great statistical accomplishments because of his longevity. But at no time was Robert Parrish one of the best players at his position. He was among the best players in the front court at times in his career, but he was at no time the best forward slash center in the league. At no time in his career was he that. Whereas Bill Walton, his career was robbed from him because of a variety of injuries. But when Bill Walton was at his peak and he led the Portland Trailblazers to their still only NBA championship, that's transcendence. Walton's statistics pale on comparison to Parrish's. Bill Walton is significantly better than Robert Parrish. They're both Hall of Famers, so I know that we're, we're splitting hairs here. But... Uh, Andrew Houghton, our producer, and I were talking about this last night. Cooper Cup just had one of the three greatest receiving seasons in the history of the NFL. Is Cup at all-time great? And Andrew was saying, well, he needs to do it for a little while longer. He's only in year three or four, whatever year he's in in the league. He needs to do it a little while longer to truly be considered great. And my argument would be no. If you were the best in the world at what you do at any time, to me that carries as much, if not more weight, than being pretty good, being among the elite for a long stretch of time. I'm trying to think of another good example of this. Um... There's got to be one in like an individual sport or something. But when you have an absolute peak and your peak is better than any of the seasons or chapters of anybody else's career, that's transcendence. And I think transcendence overcomes longevity. And I think that Barry Bonds was a transcendent talent before he ever took a steroid. And uh, I just think that it's, it's silly and also sort of dangerous when it comes to a sport that is so steeped in history and where history is so important to try to ignore or neglect a part of the history of the game. Thanks for letting me get that out of my system. I, uh, I just haven't been able to get over it. I mean, Roger Clemens is another example of transcendence. When the rocket first was pitching for the Boston Red Sox and striking out 20 guys in a game, that was way before he ever took a steroid. And that's transcendence. That, he, was, he was untouchable at that moment. He was as good. Dwight Gooden, great example. Doc Gooden is probably not a Hall of Famer because he wasn't good enough for long enough. But when he was at his best, his phenomenal seasons in the mid-1980s for the New York Mets, he was as good as anybody's ever been. Pedro Martinez is another example. Pedro Martinez does not have any, anywhere close to the wins of some of his peers or some of the all-time great pitchers in baseball history, yet... When he was at his best, who was better than Pedro? In my opinion, almost nobody. So, uh, I don't know. We could continue to hash out this conversation. because I think it's an interesting one. Maybe I'll ask Rajim Seabrook about it on Friday. But we don't have any more time for it today. Appreciate you being here. Nuana's Now. You can find everything on the Nuana's Now podcast, like always. Tomorrow, we'll get things kicked off with Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoops with Crystal Redpath presented by the Missoula Downtown Partnership We'll also hear from Brooks Nuanas, talking all things Big State Conference basketball. And we'll play the second half of the business angle with Justin Angle, talking all things NFL playoffs, particularly when it comes to ticketing and what the Rams are doing to try to keep Niners fans at bay and in the bay. We'll see you back here, 4 p.m. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm Coulter Nuanas. This has been Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio.